0: guys welcome to the podcast today is going to be a fun episode with andy Knowlton of rimrock outfitters and andy is an avid houndsman and he likes to coos deer hunt he drew an elk tag in arizona last year shot a really nice bull he's got a another elk tag this year in arizona uh he has a degree from the university of arizona natural resources wildlife range management and uh, he shed some light on some topics here that I think you guys will be interested in. I want to thank him for his time. also want to remind you guys that the uh, sponsors of this podcast make this podcast possible, and I want to thank them uh, for their sponsorship, and thank you guys for supporting them. I hear from those sponsors of the support that you give them. GoHunt.com Insider is the title sponsor of this podcast, and uh, you can go on GoHunt.com and check out the GoHunt gear shop and if you sign up to be a GoHunt insider member you get a $50 GoHunt store credit automatically credited to your account and if you go on there you can go check out all the great gear that you can order of course you get free shipping uh, and you get all the benefits of being an insider member with the incredible Western hunting resource that it is, and researching these states and these units and draws and uh, harvest statistics and what have you. Make sure to use the J. Scott promo code, you're going to get a $50 uh, Go Hunt Gear Shop uh, credit. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting and remind you that the Kuyu Mobile Showroom uh, is right now on the Kuyu World Tour and uh, they're just finishing up in Denver Colorado and they're gonna be July 27th through the 29th in Colorado Springs then they're gonna go to Omaha Nebraska August 3rd through the 5th Kansas City Missouri Oklahoma City Dallas Texas Houston Texas Lubbock Texas Albuquerque New Mexico Grand Junction Colorado Salt Lake City, Cedar City, Las Vegas, Phoenix, Arizona on October 19th through the 21st, San Diego, California, Los Angeles, California, and they're going to finish the tour in Reno, Nevada on November 9th through the 11th. I want to thank Jason Harrison and his crew over at Kuyu for their support of this podcast. Uh, Make sure to get out and check out the Kuyu Mobile Showroom. Uh, Every piece of gear that Kuyu makes in every size is on the truck. So, in other words, you can go and try on any piece of gear that they've got, uh, no matter what your size, and you can find out what size you are. Uh, You can touch and feel and, and grab and try on the boots, try on the packs. Uh, so the uh, the mobile showroom has just been a huge hit. I also want to thank the Outdoorsman's, uh, Cody Nelson and his group uh, there in Arizona. They're the optics authority. Uh, you know they've got unbelievable uh, tripods that they've manufactured and and um, tripod heads, uh, backpacks. Uh, they, like I said, they are the optics authority. If you use the J Scott promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount there with the Outdoorsman's. and then. Phonescope.com, Cheston Davis and his group, if you use the J. Scott 16 promo code you're gonna get a 10 percent discount on all Phonescope products and uh, Cheston, uh, there at Phonescope, what they do is they take uh, any cell phone and they adapt it to any optic whether binocular or spotting scope and you can be taking photos and uh, videos immediately uh, and uh, guys uh, this is gonna be a great episode with Andy Knowlton, I know you're gonna uh, enjoy it. Uh, we cover some some kind of sensitive topics, but I also um, and am, am able to pick his brain on uh, some uh, stuff regarding lions and you know um, being a houndsman. I'm a deer hunter, but I always like to hear from houndsmen because I can always pick up little tips for better coos deer hunting and, and such. So uh, enjoy the episode. Guys, thanks for listening. You can send me an email if you have any questions at all at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com, or you can send me a direct message on Instagram. You can follow along if you don't already on Instagram uh, at Outdoors. Uh, you can also go on my website uh, jscottoutdoors.com you can link to this podcast Uh, you can link to my social media channels uh, as well so guys thanks for uh, all of your loyal support i really appreciate it and uh, let's get right to this episode welcome to the j scott outdoors podcast today is going to be a fun episode with andy knowlton of rimrock outfitters and the last time I had Andy on, I believe it was episode 215 and 216. And uh, now we're on episode 310, I believe. And so we've got some ground to cover here. Uh, first and foremost, Andy, how are you? I'm doing good, Jay. Thank you. Um, I, I've been looking forward to having you on. Uh got a few questions for you. One would be... Uh, you live in Southern Arizona. Uh, how have the monsoons been firing? We are, uh, July 21st. It seemed like the monsoons, I'm up here in Colorado, but we're usually a day or two behind Arizona as far as, as soon as storms hit there, they start hitting here. It seemed like the monsoon started late. Um, want to say maybe didn't even start till about the 10th of July. I want to get your, uh, input on how things have been so far.
1: You bet. Yeah. That's- we were all kind of sitting around waiting, tapping our fingers, wondering when they were going to get here. Usually they like to say, you know, 4th of July weekend. It's, it's starting to get humid outside and the clouds start building, but it was like the 10th or 11th. I, I live about an hour South of Tucson. Um, let's see today it's building up above the house right here. And if it rains today, that'll be 12 days in a row of good, good rain. so guys I've been talking to down here, it's it's as, it might have been late, but it's as strong of a start as we're seeing. So there, lots okay. of grass to feed, lots
0: of deer to feed, lots of lions. I'm happy. Has the um, have the storms been fairly widespread in all of the different mountain ranges? And is there is there any one place that's say gotten more or less uh, than than others, or has it been fairly well uh, widespread there?
1: It's been it's been pretty pretty distributed, you know, evenly. I. What I've been out in the last two weeks, um, yeah, I'd say north of Tucson, south of Tucson, all along the border, especially just south of the border. You Your country, you guys hunt down there for deer. It looks like it's been uh, just watching on radar and whatnot, you know, it's been pretty, pretty even. Everything's just starting to break from all the dead yellow roots of the grasses from last year's growing season. It's starting to push green up through it all now in about 10 days. it's It's been pretty, pretty strong.
0: Good, good. Now, uh, Andy, you live about an hour south of Tucson, kind of in the Sonoita area, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, talk a little bit about maybe some of the listeners that aren't as familiar with Arizona, how we have in southern Arizona what we call, you know, Sky Island mountain chains. You know, you've got the Galeros and the Catalinas and, uh, you know, the Whetstones, the Santa Rita's. Um, talk a little bit about uh how that works and as far as those storms and how they roll across there and how it goes from you know low elevation to high elevation and and, and such
1: you bet yeah so the, the tucson basin is kind of known for that biodiversity as they like to call it we go you go from the sonoran desert right there around tucson and you could be up in the you know subalpine firs on top of mount lemon in an hour's drive it's so there's lots of scenic routes, so to say, lots of, lots of places that, you know, are known, known for that people can drive. And, and that's, that attracts a lot of, a lot of attention in the wildlife areas to down here. We got bird species that come across the border from Mexico that don't show up anywhere else in the U S as, as everyone knows, as well as our Jaguars and everything else. So Southern Arizona has got a pretty unique niche that way. Um, We, the sky islands, they call it. It's, it's similar to, um, I guess Nevada, so to say, as far as the topography and what it looks like. You know, it's just these big flat valleys and then, and then they climb up to these, some, sometimes we call them desert peaks, but a lot of them have pines and, you know, fir trees on the top. So you can, you can be in the, hunting in the Saguaros in the morning if you got a white tail tag and, and buy, that afternoon if you want to go hunt them in the oaks and the junipers and the pines you can if your unit has it and most these sky islands do you you can climb climb to those elevations and and so basically the the way the weather patterns down here just the way the low pressure and the high pressure systems rotate out of the pacific usually we get a pretty strong influx coming from northern mexico of moisture this time of year and and if you look it's the the maps that show the trends of moisture and vegetation and actually the coos deer in general. It's basically southern arizona and then and then these storm patterns usually fall up along the Mogollon rim, you know kind of east and north of Phoenix, and then they they trickle out in the northwestern deserts and and that's typically where we get the majority of the rain and moisture in southeastern eastern and central arizona and that's that's typically where our our big wildlife herds are too.
0: For sure. And and uh, for those listeners that didn't hear you on episode uh, 215 and 216, uh, you, you're a houndsman. Uh, you like chasing lions. Uh, you like hunting lots of other things, elk and deer and, and whatever you can get tags for. But your true love is, is chasing lions and, and your dogs, correct?
1: It, you bet. You bet. I dabbled in a little of little
0: all the big game hunting, but I the
1: last 15 years or so, it's pretty much just been... Hunting lions with, with hounds down here in the deserts, and it's quite quite the challenging endeavor. But it, it allows me to spend a lot of time out there and learning and figuring out what's going on and watching watching the dogs work. That's where most most true houndsmen, if you if you really corner them, they they could they could care less about what tag they have at the end of the year, or what what's filled or what's in the freezer. They just they count their successful season by how many days they been out there with their dogs and how many puppies they got trained
0: that winter and and whatnot what are lions doing this time of year um as far as you know are they breeding are they having you know kittens are they uh you know feeding as much as they do in the winter like what what's the life and times of a lion right now in you know third week of july sure sure they're
1: they're they're no different than
0: than any other big game species jay they're
1: they're less active in the days with the heat they, they tend to, to shade up more i mean i there's always an exception that's the <laughs> difficulty we run into with these conversations there's always someone that's got a example of such and such not being true but for the majority they're they're like deer you're not going to see them walking around in the heat of the day like you might mid mid midwinter so they're um, As far as their their breeding and, and life cycles that way, so all the studies show, as far as this part of the country, there there may be a little bit of a, they call it a birth pulse this time of year, whereas, you know, just when the females came in cycle, it's not, a lion and most predators breeding isn't as sharp as a deer or elk, so to say, where the, the rut kicks in, because so much of it's dependent on, you know, if a female's raising kittens and something happens to those kittens usually she'll cycle again and so they they have documented new litters of lion kittens year round there's there's no so to say breeding season so we've we've got them on trail cameras year round with little little spotted kittens following them around um they guys like to say they don't they kill more this time of year because they won't eat spoiled meat but that that's not true at all they we've we've seen them eat some pretty, pretty green meat. You know, if they're, they're hungry and they got a kill, they're going to, they're going to feed on it till they're, till they're full or satisfied. And um, usually what I'm finding this time of year, it's, it's the competition for the kills that I think would tend to make them move on to another one. I, I trailed into a kill two weeks ago and it, the lion had just killed the deer the night before on a spring and the dogs took out of there hundred miles an hour, and i was I was already checking that one out on the old belt, saying it's already caught. they went out of there so fast, but I got to the tree and they had a bear caught and I mean my dogs are are pretty terrible, but they're usually they're not that bad, especially off a of fresh lion kill and um I think just this time of year when our bears are active it those bears' noses are incredible, and they they sniff out those those kills from the from the lions quick and and get on them get on him fast so that lion i'm assuming fed ate probably half the deer and it had it cached and all covered up i'm most likely to come back and feed on it but that night sometime early that morning that bear found it i ran it off there it got too hot came back that afternoon i put some trail cameras on it bear had already been back to it and that night i had three different bears on that deer kill and the lion came back and all three of the bears fed on it, and the mountain lion just walked up and sniffed it and walked off and never came back. So,
0: did the um, lion come up when the bears were on it, or did he wait till they he or she wait till they left?
1: I I, I mean, it, on as far as what the camera shows, it was a young tom. He he waited for them to leave. I he was like half an hour behind him, I think. Meaning, my guess would be he was sitting up on a hill watching, waiting for that, waiting for that kill site to be safe or clear and and there was still plenty of meat left on the deer when that second bear left and that lion just chose not to feed on it for for a number of reasons i'm sure i we're finding they're pretty particular about their their kill sites we we went on a a calf kill a rancher called us about a month or two ago and the lion had killed the oh about a week old beef calf right in a corral and they the, the cowboys found it fast and we were there that afternoon and lion it only ate through the rib cage like they typically do and and ate the vital organs and we put cameras on it and that lion was back at at dusk two hours after we left hanging cameras we were going to be there in the morning when it cooled off and that mama cow stayed there all night just bawling at that calf and that lion walked up to it with her right there and never fed on it and never came back and we checked it every day for three days and so for whatever reason that that kill site was more exposed or the activity of the the cattle being around. I, I don't, we, we're not quite sure what it is. And then, and then some lions I think just are a little more finicky than others.
0: Do, do you think it's the fact that, I mean, they kill it. Okay, I've conquered that. I'm moving on. I mean, do you think some lions just, you know, yeah, they they, they kill to eat, but a lot of them kill for sport, do they not?
1: Sure, and I don't know if I'd say a lot of them, but there, there's plenty, plenty of examples. And it seems like more times than not, it's a female with young that'll, you know, you hear stories of them moving in on a herd of sheep or killing two or three javelina. I, I, I hate to think they just kill for fun. I don't. I mean, I'm sure they do. They're they're similar to house cats and bobcats, which we know are are pretty, pretty.
0: Yeah, I mean, if a mouse runs across the floor, they're going to go run over and play with it, and, and eventually yeah, they're, kill they're, it.
1: They're, their prey drive kicks in, and and we we we've seen lots of examples of that. But I, on the other hand, those those animals put themselves at risk making these kills. You know, they they run the chance of getting injured. Granted, they're they're professionals at it. They're they're very very you know well calculated on how they do it and their approach and everything. And so I don't I don't see them taking the risk to make a kill without the plans of feeding on it, at least a little bit. Now that's, that's kind of our, our interpretation of it. I'm sure the lions got something different going on in their heads, but yes, it's, it's, it's known they do, so to say, kill for fun, or I just think it's a, you, a the, Insta- they can't help themselves. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. There's several questions I want to dive into here. Um, my general premise is, you know, being a coos deer hunter and having a lot of listeners that, that like coos deer and, you know, want to learn as much as they can. One question I would ask you is, when it pertains to coos deer and lion kills that you found, so lion has killed a deer, is there any particular characteristics or any, any particular, uh, you know, places, topography, Um, you know, near something away from something, you know, certain side of a slope, certain side of a Canyon, uh, can, can you pin down, you know, the amount of kills that you've seen and can you, can you generalize or can you, you know, even get specific and say, you know, I find a lot of kills X, Y, Z here, here, and here. And this is why I think they kill them there.
1: I, I, you know, besides just the obvious reasons, Jay, yeah, I think they they like hunting in cover. They like having having that cover to use, just like like any of us. You know, bow hunting, you want got to have a little little bit of topography to break it up. But I, we've we've found kills out in the creosote flats too, where you think the the deer or, or, or cattle could see them coming a mile away. But typically, when we find them, they're in they're in the bottoms or in in brush. But that's not not to say they're they kill them there They'll. we've seen them drag a where they kill a deer or a elk calf or a, or a beef calf and drag them quarter mile to, to stash them for whatever reason that lion needs needs to get his kill to a spot he feels safe to feed on it and typically they drag him downhill i mean they'll they'll gangster they'll sure carry him over a ridge if they know a spot on the other side to bury it but and usually they they stash him in the in the bottoms under brush or or if there's a thick cedar tree nearby, they'll, they'll drag it right to the center of the cedar tree and mostly to keep, you know, keep it out of sight from other predators and, and or they, so they feel safe when they're, when they're feeding on it. Um, but we, like I said, we found them on tops of little peaks. We've down in the bottoms in the middle of a sand wash where, you know, you wonder why they left it there. They could have drug it 50 yards up into the mesquites and they just cover it with sand in the bottom. So they're, that's that's a very interesting one. That what what cues them into moving moving their kills because when we when we find them, I almost always tie them up with hay string or whatever I got. You know, some baling wire. That way, when we set the camera on it, because I like I like watching them and just you know seeing seeing what they're doing at the kill sites, how often they come back, and let alone so then we know what kind of track we got in the morning with the dogs, and um, that very rarely seems to distract them you know you can tie a freshly killed deer up with bright
0: blue hay string and that lion will eat the rest of the deer with it tied to the tree and they don't pay any attention to it so in other words they they're not smelling human and then not coming back they don't necessarily you haven't seen a correlation where they care about it
1: absolutely not there you couldn't you couldn't do that with a coyote not one time (laughs) you know they're they're way 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 more weary i i've We found a kill one time down here in the Santa Rita's and we had a camera on it and we found it in the morning, put a camera on it that afternoon, went and checked the camera and the lion had been there feeding all day and we weren't camped a quarter mile from it. I knew, I knew that lion could hear us. We were, you know, and went and checked on it that evening and we're sitting there looking around and there's the lion laying 80, 90 yards away and she'd been just watching us. There was, you know, once we kind of started Moving, moving a little closer toward it, we were on the way back to camp to get the dogs, but, you know, they were zero, zero concern for us. They don't, they don't act that way, really.
0: Very interesting stuff. Um, several things I want to – well, so do they always cover up their kill is one question. And then the next question, if, if listeners come across a, a, a kill – what would be evidence that it's a lion kill and then even further than that what would be evidence that it's a lion kill and how would they know what signs do they look for to see how fresh it is or or in other words how long ago did the lion kill it
1: sure sure i boy that's a that's one that still got me puzzled um they don't always cover it and there's no correlation between them covering it and them coming returning to that kill site. We we like to think, Oh, that lion stashed it, covered it up, spent all this time. He's coming back for sure. We we get burned on that one more times than not. And then we'll find a kill, we might guessing we're a day or two behind it and it's barely barely any meat left on it and kinda out in the open and coyote tracks around it thinking it's not and that lion'll be there all night that next night. So it's it's just so
0: totally it's unpredictable. To
1: they're totally unpredictable, and we don't know if they—that is pressure from other animals. If it's very, very often, I think they have kills in uh, other areas. You know, they might be feeding on multiple kills at the same time. I—I there, I think there's lots, that, lots that play into it. Um, as far as how you can tell it's a lion kill, they're—they're they're pretty unique. If it's once you've seen a couple and, and notice a few things, there, there's really nothing else that—that that, that kills a. Kills an animal the way lions do, and I and I as far as the what the kill sites look like, they're really clean and neat and covered up, and almost like you know you were to sit there with a see where the lions will will reach out and pull dirt and rocks and leaves up onto onto the the kill itself. Uh, one of the tall tail signs we look for is the way the lion when they first start feeding on the animal, deer, elk, cow, it doesn't matter. I'm talking big game because it's there's a whole other another issue there as far as lions don't only kill these large mammals they they eat a lot a lot of small game and obviously we're not finding cottontail rabbits covered up you know right. they're they're right. usually fed on in, in one sitting and move on but um on a, on a larger mammal javelina, or whatever usually the way the lions start into the the body cavity they they grab a mouthful of hair between their front teeth and not not the canine front teeth the two rows um, flat teeth in between their canines and they pull. And when they pull, they're obviously biting and it clips the hair. They don't pull the hair out of out of the um, skin, so to say. I mean, some's going to come out, but it almost looks like you were to take some shears and, and trim the hair. It looks like the hair has been cut. Mm-hmm. No, nothing else does that. When a coyote or bears make kills, they usually just pull hide off. Lions will, they're really clean with their kill sites. And they'll, so we'll get there and we we know it's pretty obvious to us but if someone's kind of on the fence you'll see these little piles of what looks like clipped hair at a barbershop almost
0: okay and what are they doing by by doing that is that is that getting it where they, then they can get into the cavity i guess yeah. i guess i understand what you mean when you're talking about the little clippings but i don't understand then sure, then sure. what and do they just, do yeah they're just they're just
1: accessing the body cavities and 9 times out of 10 they always go right behind the shoulder, right where you'd shoot them with a bow or a gun, it seems like, or through the back of the ribs sometimes, but in front of the gut, and they eat a hole. And I'm talking, we've seen like a perfect size hole, like a softball, where the hide's been, the hair's been clipped, the hide's been chewed off, and the ribs have been chewed off. And I I don't know if they're reaching in there with their paws, because sometimes it's small holes where, and they'll eat the, you know, the vitals, basically, the heart, lungs, liver, Basically, the, the nutrient-rich organs, which which makes sense that that's what they go after first. More times than not, after that they pull the the gut the gut bag out and in the intestines, and they usually bury that separate from the kill site. Sometimes they'll pull the the guts and stomach out, and they're real clean about it and leave it in a pile, and then they'll move the whole kill site away from the guts. I think they're they're pretty they're pretty finicky about it, and um, and then they'll start into the big large muscle areas and you know we've we've seen them eat eat a whole whole coos deer, you know almost in one sitting as far as a small doe i, I i'd say you know and i'm talking hooves shin bones vertebrae windpipes basically everything but the skull and antlers and hips and you know the the long bones but they're it it's all i guess depends on how hungry how hungry they are that day
0: when you find kills more times than not are they bucks or are they does oh here it comes oh they're all bucks jay they're only
1: trophy bucks ever yeah yeah. are they're
0: they're all giants (laughs) yeah no they're oh
1: yeah yes
0: it just depends yes sometimes
1: (laughs) you can't get out of
0: this one you got to answer it one way or another (laughs) that one the other day
1: that one the other day was a dope but the two before that were bucks i as far as what we find, yeah, I find lion killed deer racks, but that might just be because the rack's sticking up. It's easier to see than a doe skull under a tree. I, um, I was hunting a canyon last summer and found multiple kills, and they were all does. But I had some buddies that whitetail hunted that area that winter, and they didn't hardly see any bucks. So maybe that was just what was available to them in that in that canyon. Um, yeah, there, there's there's some some theory is saying that bucks tend to be more solitudes and it's easier for the lions to pick them off uh I, I can see that that might be why we tend to find more 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 buck kills than does but i i can't say it's it's one-to-one I, i'm not sure jay they when they've collared the lions and followed them kill site to kill site i've never seen any any you know definite data saying it's 90 percent bucks or i i can't really pin it down i don't and like i said we we as hunters and big game hunters tend to talk like that but the more you follow these lions around they're they're just trying to make a living out there they're they come across the skunk they're going to eat it they come across the javelina they're going to eat it they if they're hungry in other words so they're i don't think they walk around selecting through deer looking for a fatter deer or a deer versus a javelina i think i think they're very opportunistic i think that lion was hunting that spring the other day, and if it would have been a javelina that walked in, I think I think she he would have nailed it. It just happened to be a white-tailed doe.
0: Do you find as many javelina as you do deer? And I would speculate before you even answer that because they're smaller, maybe you don't. But the follow-up question to that is, do you think they kill just as many javelina as they do deer, you just don't find them?
1: I, I bet that has a little to do with it, but... To me, that's more of a, a localized localized um, situation. If we hunt a mountain range right along the border that is as is full of javelina as, as any place I've been, and most of the lion kills we find down there are javelinas, and there, there are plenty of whitetail and mule deer around there, but they just, I, I think it's, like I said, it's an opportunistic thing. I think it's pretty relative to, you know, we don't obviously find hardly any elk kills down here because they, they aren't really walking around down here, but. Up, up by where brandy lives up in the verde valley that he calf kills as far as calf elk you know cow elk he, he'll go on a few of those a year whereas um it's, i think it's just relative jada what, what what's in the area
0: sure makes sense it, it's pretty safe to say that lions could kill a bull elk but is it in your experience and you know partnering with randy and running around with him so much i mean is it is it fairly uncommon for a bull elk to be killed by a lion
1: down here it is for for whatever
0: reason i I, and it happens it's one of those another
1: there is no always on it it's it's pretty rare though i whereas i got some lion hunting friends in in wyoming and colorado that regularly in those deep snows they, they find utah even you know plenty of cases where Excuse me. Where these lions are are taking full grown bull elk? I, I think it's definitely way more of the exception than than the norm. But and, and to me, all I can relate that to is just the risk. You know, if that that lion's going to sit and wait for a, something to eat, he's going to he's going to jump on the doe or the the cow elk before he's got to deal with those antlers of that bull. I think they're sure. They, they, I think they do weigh that weigh that option.
0: Okay. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about um, from 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 a coos deer hunting premise. Have you seen areas in the Sky Island mountain chains where you or lion hunters that you know of have you know taken you know some tom lions, taken some female lions, you know, and and, and or maybe you know f- handful of each or or the other, and have you seen you know have you seen with your own eyes that in that particular pocket where you know that a handful of lions have been killed have you seen where the deer numbers in a year or two have you know really expanded no or gotten bigger
1: that's a this this one this is my opinion so i hope you know that i'm no i'm no expert i'm just going with what i see and I, i try to look at approach all this as subjective as possible and the trouble comes jay is it's kind of the whole self-fulfilling prophecy thing that we get something in our minds and then what happens out there we force ourselves to see that and i'm guilty of it i'm not i'm not totally innocent of it but so traditionally in this part of the country Lion hunters, the best hounds. Some of the best lion hunters tend to be pretty tight in, if not part of the cattle community. So there's that whole. It, whereas I'm, I'm kind of an outsider as far as that. I, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a ranching family. I, I just kind of came in from the outside. And then once you get in the lion hunting business, you realize how how tight how tightly the two are related. Um, so there's those. I don't want to, I I guess prejudices you'd say that, yeah, when you muck lions out of an area, the the deer and elk and, um, excuse me, deer and elk and cattle are safer and going to do better. But Jay, that's, that's not always the case. I, I have a friend that lion hunts down here and he's got a good, good family friends of his that are ranchers. And they went in there when he, we first started doing good and catching lions and he killed seven or eight lions out of a shoot say 20 square mile 20 square mile kind of mountain range Um, and did dang good that winter and caught a lot of lions and and killed them out of there and ran on some calf kills and 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 that's kind of what he was figuring and guessing was in there seven to ten lions something like that toms and females and the the next year, Jay went went back in there and killed just as many. And I happened to be riding with them one day with the with the ranchers and the cowboys, and you know, and they, they were giving him praise as they should. He's, he's a great lion hunter, and and I just I'll never forget the cowboy saying, "Man, I'm sure glad he came in here last year and, and killed those just say killed those ten lions because there'd be twenty in here this year." And that's just that that situation always stuck because that is not how it works. If there's 10 lions working, you know, say a mountain range and you somehow figure out a way to kill all 10, those lions infill and are constantly moving and traveling and finding new territories and say six or seven fill back in in the next year, which is a pretty high influx rate. Southern Arizona, it can happen just because I think we got lions coming from Mexico, but um, that doesn't mean if no one would have hunted that, there'd be 17 lions
0: in that mountain range this year. So that, in other words, they just kind of sustain themselves. But if they get killed, they just come back.
1: Exactly, and I and I got to be careful saying that because they don't always come back. We, Randy and I, killed a tom up, up in central Arizona. Shoot, I bet it's been four or five years now. There's still not another tom been through there because it's a spot we check regularly. And I, we we killed one with a client down here in May, and two weeks ago I went in there and there's already another tom scratching in there. So I. It's 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 very relative to the area. It's very relative to prey density, hunting pressure, you know, lots of things. So as far as getting back to your question, are are there areas that um, that, that these lions are pressuring, and when you remove them, do better? I mean, I, yes, there there are. Is it always the case? No, because we can't is hunters as much as especially some of the better lion hunters like to think that, you know, they're really making a difference. Sure. It makes sense. You remove a lion. He's not going to be in there eating the cattle and deer, but that we aren't that good of hunters. Even the best lion hunters aren't that good to where we can keep those lions. Guys like to say, Oh, I'm going to go get that area cleaned out for that rancher. Well, that's just old cowboy talk. You can't clean lions out. No one's that good. those, those lions are 24-7 moving and working, coming from all different countries. and sure, we can make a dent in them. And um, I just don't think down here, I don't think we could we could do it. And, I, and I'm speaking from 100% personal experience because I go through winters where, I mean, I got lion hunters that live 360 degrees around me, and they're all good lion hunters, and they get after it, and they kill 5, 10, 15 lions apiece a winter down here. And then the next winter we all do the same thing, but that doesn't mean that if we didn't kill those lions, say all of us kill thirty lions, that doesn't mean if we all decide, all right, we're going to take a year off. That way, the following year there's going to be sixty lions to hunt. That's that's not the reality. So the the, the prey species are are directly related to it, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. I, there's for sure isolated areas where the deer numbers might be low, and, and i and I mostly getting this from guys that have spent their lives hunting these same areas. I've only been down here about 15 years, so I, I'm just going what I know of. And, and they do say, man, when such-and-such such lion hunter moved in there and started putting pressure on those lions, we really noticed the deer come back. All right, right on. Well, we caught one, two, there were three different toms in a tiny mountain range down here by Tombstone this spring that we're we're killing calves and we caught two of them and another lion hunter caught another one and a week later those guys saw another tom track in there and, and it's a it's a slippery slope, Jay, because in some ways it almost shoots yourself in the foot because if you leave that lion in that area, say from the ranchers ranchers perspective if, if you know there's a mature tom lion in there and he's not killing calves, but you see his footprint and you, you panic that he's in there in your calves, but you don't have any evidence knowing that he's killing your, your cattle, you're probably better off to leave that tom there because those lions are selective to what they like to eat. They're, he, he may be hard, you know, hard after the, the whitetail in, in and pigs, and as long as he's got those other um, food sources – he may never switch over to beef, you know, and there's going to be ranchers that argue that, that they, you know, every lion on planet Earth is after their cows, but it's, sorry, that ain't the reality, and, and they and they know that for a fact, and it's the same with the sheep, that's, I know you, you guys are sheep hunters, and I'm glad you guys are out there, but you guys
0: are terrible about lions.
1: <laughs> you think
0: and i get it i get it there ain't no other oh i i would agree i'm one of those that like oh, think God. that the lions are after my deer and my sheep but it's, I, I, cringe I, I hear when what I you're hear, saying
1: but i get it the lions are you guys see the direct direct effect of them and they can they can absolutely hurt a deer or sheep population if the right ones and the right pressures happen but they there there's a lion slash sheep study down in the kofas jay and they've had a female lion collar down there for like five or six years and she's been living like like they got video of her laying watching sheep walk by her and in five or six years she's never touched a lamb or a ewe or a ram she's eating rabbits and deer and
0: and uh coyotes and foxes like that's documented interesting well let me ask you this then the the case in uh the Catalinas where they've just, um, reintroduced the sheep and, you know, obviously they had a cat or two. I'm, I'm not really up on the specifics, but definitely some lions or lion did some damage on those sheep that they originally transplanted. Oh, you bet. So, Are you saying that specifically if a lion really gets a taste for him, he can wipe, you know, he can, he or she can do pretty good wiping them out. But you're also saying that, that uh, they could have a lion right in their same, you know, drinking out of the same spring or same water hole and never even, you know, they're they're killing javelina and and you know jackrabbits and what have you, and never even touch them.
1: Hundred percent. That's uh, that's and that's been proven multiple times in multiple areas. There, there's we we see it as lion hunters. You see it as a sheep hunter. You just turn your head the other way. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. But no, those those sheep they plant in the Catalinas. Yep. For the first. Eight ten months, they pretty much just fed lions, but they had a, a pretty good lion hunter in there, and, and and they went in there and really hammered on some of those lions, and and for the most part, all those all those killings slowed down, and and they know this because they had all the sheep collared, and they were watching them, and they 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 know when it's a kill, and they move in on it, and but Jay, I was in there two months ago, and I saw a fair amount of lion sign, and and I haven't been hearing hearing hardly much of it. They might, you know, be trying to keep it a little little quieter now with all the beatings game and fish took trying to do that but it's you, you can't you can't win I mean you get praised yeah. the game departments get praised for putting all this time effort and money doing a reintroduction of a species and then part of that species success in that newer area is a little predator control so they do predator control and then they take a beating on the other side I it, it it's rough I I I don't envy yeah. I don't envy these wildlife Agencies at all. They, they got their hands full between Trying to stay focused on the biology of it and then the social pressures that come from it Eesh, It's a it's a nasty nasty place to be
0: Okay, let's let's let me ask you this question Could we kill all the lions in the state of Arizona in other words over time with money and resources is it even possible <laughs> to kill all the lions in the state of arizona or virtually like you see on cnn news like oh they're gonna go extinct like we're gonna kill them all if if you had you know a thousand dollar a lion or 10th whatever you whatever it may be could it happen
1: no because i'd be following you guys around popping your tires and <laughs> not besides the, that besides <laughs> that, <laughs> no, is it, it even possible it's not it's not possible and it's and i know that because look what we look what we tried to do to to, to coyotes and and in, in trapping them and, and wolves and for the most part they got them knocked down but they didn't they didn't get rid of them all so, some of it came from protection from regulations and whatnot but man more days than not when i'm Hunting lions and finding where they really go, They're I'm I'm definitely not man enough to follow them into some of that country. And they are incredibly resilient. And I am I am very thankful that that God made them that way because us humans just got a thorn in our side for lions. I don't get it. It's a it goes back to I think a a primal thing when we were living in caves and saber tooth tigers were at us. I think it, <laughs> I think we just <laughs> i just think we we tend to think that but it's society anymore we don't we don't we don't need to worry about them that much so i you know as okay, far so, as far as so
0: the, let me keep going down this bunny trail and i'm not trying to pin you i'm just just having conversation so the state of california bans lion hunting um i think maybe the state of oregon i'm not sure but the state of california bans lion hunting no you know you can't kill lions
1: yep and they snuck that one in too. That was go ahead.
0: Yeah. So now they're seeing more and more lion kills. Would more you and more. argue that the lion? Would you argue that the lion population hasn't even gone up? That it's the same, or would you argue that um, there are more lions now? Oh, I in I, California? I think it. I think there'd be more. It was. Yeah. It was. I believe it was 1990, I
1: think it was Prop 117 it was called, and it was, basically they snuck it in as an environmental, you know, sustainability act, and they they put the lions as a sensitive species, and, and, and for all the listeners, lions are, if you look at the spectrum of threatened, endangered, extinct, you know, stable, species of less concern, lions are completely on the the far side as far as they're not threatened they're not even a species of concern like our our american cougar population is very stable and it's it it's a testament to how amazing those animals are because hunters absolutely pound on them and it's and it's it like i said it, it blows me away every year when i we hunt them and we hear about all these people getting them and killing them and you know legally big game hunters and thinking oh man they're they're gonna be mucked out of this area for years and Sometimes they are, but the majority of times they're not. They're 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 pretty resilient. But yeah, so 1990. So and it's been 27 years of of no sport hunting of lions. Well, there's still plenty of blacktails and mule deer in
0: California. So the lions haven't. Do you know that you can't you can't even go legally shoot? And I think the. I think the director of the California Game and Fish actually got fired over this. He went to a state, I believe Wyoming or Montana. Yep, I heard you about. Could it. Be wrong on the state. He harvested a lion legally, the whole thing, and I, I don't know what happened, but it, it was a big public outcry and, and what have you. But I mean, like you can't even go kill a lion legally in another state, have the taxidermy work done, and have the lion brought into California. Nope. well nope. It's the import. That the is import
1: export. You know, and it's a federal—it's a federal, federal law because you're going across state lines. We, Jay, we get clients every year from California, and they're always in a pickle if they get one where where they're where they're gonna, you know. Luckily, some of them either have family somewhere else that they end up getting the hide or the mount mount sent to. I I know it's it's absolute madness. So so the backfire, in my opinion, that's happened in California is so pre 1990, you had sport hunters like us trophy hunters the evil you know the evil evil white man killing killing all the wildlife well we're spending a lot of money to do that a lot of money you do I do the average hunter does we're, that's going directly back into wildlife and wildlife management on top of that we're harvesting these animals that basically the way hunting is set up Jay as you know and I'm just just kind of preaching here to the, to those that know but those that don't Hunting is set up to harvest, whether no, no matter what species, to harvest basically the excess of of the individual population. So all all species are always always trying to, you know, unless there's some ex, external circumstance like drought or poaching or whatnot. The, the species are always in surplus of what the carrying capacity is for that given area. And it's and it's just designed that way, Jay. Designed not by us. It's just these millions of years of of design. Um, basically, so that way, if the predator numbers happen to swing that year and that that species takes a hard hit, they 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 got enough to rebound. If disease comes in, drought, they got enough to rebound. And and, it, and we see it in all all the way down to the, you know, the classic snowshoe and the lynx, you know, study where it's people used to think, oh, it's the the predators keep the prey down. Well, actually, it's the prey species and how good they're doing correlate to how, how good the, the predators reproduce and where their numbers go. So, so in California, before, we were hunting, so to speak, the excess lions. That's what we hunt. We hunt the, the, that these populations are able to sustain every year, and that's where our game agencies come in. They're supposed to be keeping track of these numbers and with hunter surveys and everything to keep to keep tabs on how healthy these populations are. Well, you go and outlaw the sport hunting, and now those lions are still going to be doing what they've been doing for 11 million years, trying to survive and pass on their genes, and the same same as all biological creatures on the planet, and they are incredibly resilient at it. Well, there's still neighborhoods in California. There's still cattle ranchers. There's still areas of urban interface that these lions are now causing issues. So it's a behind-the-scenes government hunter going in there, either with hounds or snares, or and they're and they're just killing these lions. And as hate as terrible as it sounds, they're absolutely wasted. Jay. So as before, you had sport hunters paying for it, creating revenue and income for the for the state, the area, the local communities. Now they're taken out of the equation. The lions are still getting killed. The problem lions, sure, not to the not to the numbers they would have before if they were sport hunted. But now the hides are getting wasted. The meat's getting wasted. There's really no, no, you know, biological, you know, it was a social issue. It wasn't a, oh, our lions are in danger. We need to we need to step in as wildlife managers and help them. It was a complete, you know, emotional, irrational social issue what, what got them banned. So they, from some of the stuff I've read, Jay, they've killed just as many, if not more, mountain lions in the last, 27 years since the ban of it, since the ban of sport hunting that they did before. So to me, it's, it was a total backfire. Now the animals, they're still dying. They're still, you know, being selected, so to say by humans, but now they're just, I I just hate seeing them them go to waste. So it's, did they, did they overrun? And And it's also the other side of the coin. Did they, did they overrun and eat all the California sheep and deer and, you know, small game. Nope. So that, that's another testament that you know they're they're not the boogeyman that that people like to think of them as.
0: Okay, let me ask you a, a little bit of a related question, but but not quite as related. They're talking about reintroducing the Mexican gray wolf. You bet. Do you feel the same about the Mexican gray wolf as far as they will? Even if they introduce them, they will never be a problem. Or do you feel like they have different feeding habits than mountain lions? What 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 would be your thought on the reintroduction of the Mexican gray wolf?
1: Well, now now you got me cornered. You were just waiting to call me a hypocrite on this one, so I saw I thought you come <laughs> a mile away, Jay. <laughs> um, I don't.
0: No, I'm I'm honestly I'm truly I want to know what what your thoughts are on it. Sure
1: i I think we would have done. To the lions what we did to the gray wolves if physically it was possible i think those wolves were a little easier to target when when we ran them down and ran them out of here just like when we almost wiped out the buffalo and the passenger pigeon and every other wildlife species that we freaking drove to extinction or near near extinction i just think the lions lions were just their just their habits kept them safe and alive so we did the same thing with the, the grizzly bears in the lower 48, Jay, and I, you know, as far as the southwest, does, does that mean we should reintroduce grizzly bears? Well, I, I think times have changed a little bit, and, and there are, there are those, those social limitations that, unfortunately, have heavy weight, and sometimes for the good and sometimes for the bad. So, in my opinion, the, I mean, they, they have a few reintroduction programs with those wolves we I had that elk tag last year up in up in unit one, which oh, I, I didn't tell you I have it again, Jay.
0: You do? Yeah. How'd that feel? You turkey? That's <laughs> two years in a row. No, I don't know who I'm, and it's just a waste of my oh time. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so did you put a hundred dollars in your application, or, no. a, a cash one hundred dollar bill, or what? It was just a, a voucher for a free. You l- wish it was that easy, don't you? <laughs> yeah.
1: It was just a voucher for a free lion hunt, and
0: those game of fish guys bit,
1: <laughs> jumped on it. <laughs> no. You got Unit One again? So unit one again. I don't yep. I, you're I turkey. I know I feel you shot a great bull last year. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was a it was a fun hunt and I don't know how it happened. It took me thirteen years of So did
0: you run into the, the wolves up yeah, there? Yeah, and that's
1: what I was getting at. I and we, we saw a few and saw a sign of them, and of of course it's both sides of the story up there. We we talked to the to the locals and they they for the most part weren't weren't too happy they're back. You know, and then some people we talk to are okay with it. Of course, the ranching community, I, and I get where they're coming from. It's they're after their livelihood, so that's a that's a whole can of worms. And I, I'm I don't think anyone, Jay, can say that was a good move or that was a bad move because would would we? Does that mean if the wolves are successful, the grizzly bears are next? We we start moving them in? I don't I don't think we're at a point where where those are going to work out for the better for the animals or for the people. So I, I, have a, a hard time saying it was a good move. You know, I, I, I get it. You know, if it's a, if it's a prey species, it seems like it's always a good move moving sheep around, moving antelope to areas to try to repopulate. But all of a sudden when it comes a predator and there's going to be pressure with the local, the local humans, it it's, you opened a whole different, whole different um paradox there and so I, I jay i can't i don't have an opinion one way or the other i'm just kind of sitting back hoping for the wolves they do okay but hoping
0: they don't well in theory couldn't the wolves eat your your deer and elk and things that your lions eat and in essence could is it possible that the wolves could do enough damage that maybe it would kind of push the lions out or no i don't
1: i don't think it would get to i mean it Absolutely, they could if we stood back and and did nothing. But that's that's part of the wildlife management there. As far as we
0: people you're are saying, it's not your baby, and and you're it's not your baby, so you're uh, you're staying out of it. Were, were they say, not my pig, not my farm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, um, I, okay. I think for the wolves it, to get to that point, Jay, they would they would be at that point a huntable population, and I think I think them fox pros are hell on predators, so. I think they do all right. Yeah.
0: How many wolves do you think, well, do you think a pack of wolves could kill a lion, or do you think the the friggin' lion would probably have its way with a pack of wolves? Well,
1: I, I'm willing to bet that lion
0: would go up a tree before he he's way too intelligent to, to take on that fight. <laughs> no, I don't Okay, so he wouldn't he would he or she wouldn't stand and fight, they would probably tree up and oh, wait until the wolves yeah, lose interest.
1: They'd, they'd tree up and run and I I'm pretty I mean if a obviously if a pack of wolves got got one in an area where it didn't have a, a escape route, I think the wolves, yeah, they they could take take the
0: lion, but interesting. Okay. I want to ask you some questions about when you're riding around trailing lions and just, you know, doing your thing for, you know, the draw just came out for, for deer hunters and, and, you know, mule deer and coos deer and, and all over the state. But in general, where are you seeing the densest track of whitetail and where are you seeing the most deer in general? I'm not talking like what unit, what area, you know, specific Canyon, but like, topography and and vegetation where do you see the most deer man um i i
1: think it's it's unit specific jay i i think the deer the deer tend to move some some canyons hold them a little better and and i think that's all relative to what what these wildlife populations need they you know food water shelter escape routes however however you want to explain it those all of them predators and prey they, I don't want to say wander around because they're not wandering I think it's just instinct instinctively in them to basically bounce around till they find till they find these areas that have all those environmental cues that you know trigger in their brain this is a successful place to live and reproduce and it's got to have all have all those so i I wish I could I wish I could say you know it's all the north facing slopes with with oaks and manzanita brush that the big bucks live in. And cause we, we find them high to low dense to open. I mean, I think, I think those big bucks um, tend to, tend to find a little niche that, and I know you're going to go there, so we might as well just go there. <laughs> they tend to find a niche where they can survive. And it's not just whitetail hunters. They're surviving lions and they're surviving The packs of coyotes and anything else that would be after them. so i i just look at where the the good whitetail hunters i know personally and i know are straight up and honest about what they're seeing out there where they're finding these big trophy coos deer and and jay they're 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 just finding them where those suckers can can live and and i know that's pretty vague but like they could be in a very populated area popular to hunters popular to recreators And they could be in super remote areas. And I don't think that's what, I don't think the deer are specifically looking for that. I think they kind of get pinballed around as young bucks. And this is, like I said, my opinion and kind of my observations. They get pinballed around from pressures, hunting pressures from both natural predators and human predators until they kind of find a spot that they can live. And I think that's why these coos deer have such tight, these big bucks have such tight home ranges. Because the more they expand, the more they expose. They're exposed. Granted, that time of the year when they're rutting, they, they make some bad decisions. Um, we well,
0: all do when, we, when we're rutting. You know
1: that for sure, man. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: it, it, anyway, so so, but but but, you're talking about big bucks. I'm trying to just say for for the beginner coos deer hunter out there, if and and maybe not even from your lion experience, in general, unit to unit. Is there any specific, you know, yellow grass or oaks or mesquite or ocotillo or look for this and you're going to find deer? And I'm not even talking about bucks. Uh, where do you sure. think the highest density of deer, coos deer, is in in your Sky Island mountain chains in the units across Southern Arizona? Sure. Like where do you see the most deer? Not buck, not big bucks, not just deer.
1: Yeah, and I'd I'd have to say that directly directly correlated to to what what feed they're on that time of year and they're feeding on different plants in the summers and they are midwinter and then they are in the springtime and not to say that one deer couldn't live a whole year and you know a couple little canyons just make making do but i i tend to like to look where you know they they can get the cover real quick not saying they excuse me not saying that they have to be in the thickest north slopes of you know the deepest darkest canyons but i i tend to see them where they can get in the winter they can get up on sunny ridges you know when it's when it's cold and but they aren't very far from cover at all you know and but but jay there's you and i both know examples of giant bucks living out in flats with one little mesquite cut they just happen to find you know find safety in and they they might stay there months years You know, it just, there's just so much pressure out there these days, Jay, from, and I'm not talking just hunting pressure, hikers and recreators and all these things that push these deer around and scramble them, it's, unless you're hunting, I mean, I I think you'd be a better, better knowledge base of that, because from the ranches in Mexico where you guys are seeing them, because I don't think they get the the pressures that, that kick them around as much as we do here in public land, so I... I wish I could get you
0: and And I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like going to Mexico so much is because you can go to those pretty yellow grass slopes. You can go to those, you know, mesquite and then roll up into the oaks and you can see a ton of deer and, you know, it's beautiful country. Whereas I feel like some of Southern Arizona with the pressures of hunters that we've, you know, lots of hunting pressure that, you know, people, you know, they go to the yellow grass, they go to the, the, the you know, a little bit lower in the mesquites, then roll up into those oaks. And, and it's gotten where, you know, they've pushed some of the bucks high or low. Um, You know, I did a podcast with Dwayne Adams and he was saying, you know, the middle of the mountain is, you know, he tends to find bigger bucks high or bigger bucks low. And I think that's, you know, the human eye is drawn to just that pretty beautiful, you know, country that we have in Southern Arizona. And, one of the things I enjoy about Mexico is you get to hunt those deer and get to hunt some big bucks right in some of that real pretty country where I feel like if you're a deer hunter, a cooster hunter in southern Arizona, you know, you probably need to go low or you need to go high or you need to go where nobody else is going, where it's very hard to get to, um, to find big bucks um, sure. because... It's, it's real easy for, you know, to go to, you know, where, where your grandpa hunted, where your dad hunted, and where your uncles hunted, and, you know, it's in, it's in you know, the prettiest canyons of the unit, and, um, you know, that, that's, just, that's just a perception of mine. I, I don't know that I really even have much evidence to back that up, other than it seems like some of the biggest bucks are found, you know, in the high, super thick stuff or out in the low flats where it, they're almost virtually impossible to kill
1: you're right and my
0: advice to the would-be would-be deer chasers is
1: just pick a theory test it out go out there and put your put your boots on the ground and start reading sign and and it's there any of these wildlife species aren't aren't hard to figure you know just you just gotta go they all leave sign they all gotta eat sleep and go to the bathroom and they're there there's evidence of all of them lions bears predator prey and to me that's that's the fun of hunting is just figuring it out and testing your theories and having some success and some failures and,
0: and learning new units. And it's, it's all, it's all part of the experience. For sure. Um, You know, speaking of part of the experience, I know I follow you on Instagram and one of the things I really enjoy on your Instagram page is you've got some really good um, videos of lions making scrapes. And I know in, the last two episodes that we talked about, you know, how those lions make their scrapes and, um, and, and what have you. And um, there was a, there was in the spring, there was some talk about them, you know, wanting to ban trail cameras. And you posted it on your Instagram. I posted it on my Instagram, you know, mainly from my perspective, I was wanting to kind of see what the general, uh you know guy out there was thinking about that and um you know i i i ended up uh just deleting it off of my <laughs> a little bit of a chicken deleted it off my instagram post after about two days because i thought that you know this isn't really going anywhere yeah. um you're smarter than and me, and you you left it up there and man you caught some you caught a little bit of heat i'm just curious your thoughts on all of that
1: oh yeah i think i got hashtag block party more than more than anyone and, <laughs> i don't i don't mind a healthy discussion but with guys are gonna just be jerks about it it's, it's not constructive in anything and oh and you bet i had i had messages coming out my ears from guys i know that i never knew their stance on it that kind of surprised me The complete strangers i had support i had opposition and it's a it's a super sensitive subject, because, and I just laugh because it's it's something. When it's that sensitive, it needs to be talked about, because the only reason it's it's reached that point is because, excuse my French, guys are starting to call bullshit on it. The hunters that have been at this a long time, and that are that are just the wool, average Joe hunters are starting to see. Those trail cameras have changed the face of hunting. I don't even know if we'll ever recover from it. I, you got it. You got to pick a. You got to pick a side to stand on, in my opinion. And I'm not saying ban them all. I'm not saying we don't use them as heavily as anyone. There, there's there's certain types of cameras that I think should be outlawed. The the ones that are given a hunter that's not in the field live information. The cell phone cameras. That's a whole whole different thing. I've used them. I know how lethal they are. They're especially to the lions. And this, this winter, Jay, I heard, I heard a couple stories the first times I've heard of guys killing really good bucks with those cell phone cameras. So for the deer hunters out there that thought they were the best thing in the world, well, all of a sudden, when, when those guys got a little competition from them, I think they're going to start singing a different tune. You know, before it was mostly us lion hunters saying, all right, that, that kind of takes the whole hunt out of it. You know, you don't even have to hunt for a, a trailable track for your dogs to catch. You just sit at home and wait for the camera to send your picture. Most rational guys say, oh yeah, that's not, that's not fair chase at all. That's not, that shouldn't, that shouldn't even be an option. When some guy, ah, well, it's not really applicable to deer or elk. Well, I heard a couple stories from the horse's mouth this winter that they absolutely can work on deer or elk and big deer. So it's a, it's, it's, it's going to get, it's coming. We just got to gather our thoughts as sportsmen and kind of take a stand for what, where we want hunting to go, where we want this public perception, because as terrible as it sounds, ultimately that's what's going to ruin it, is us, us looking so terrible that the media gets a hold of it, and then it gets the public's attention in a negative light, then, we're, then we're, it all is
0: lost. We we we've seen it time and time again, and going down that rabbit hole, just like the lion hunting getting banned, or just like you know trapping. Um, the media runs with you know a, a bobcat in a trap, and shows you know a cute little bobcat kitten and what have you, sure. and it just it just it, they use it against us, and they, they you're use, saying that you're, you're fearful that the same thing will happen with the trail cameras.
1: You you bet. It's it's becoming so. I mean if you talk to any game wardens they they those things are an absolute headache for them between guys stealing them and guys vandalizing them and guys moving in on other guys spots and it's just a headache for for them it's a it's a headache it's to me it was never an issue if i if i went to a water hole and there was a camera hanging there why would i hang my camera there there's someone already ahead of me why would i want you know i'm going to go find my own spot i kind of thought that was the point of hunting was to get out there away from people and but the world is getting smaller, Jay, and and it's, it's unfortunately taken a turn, in my opinion, for the worse, and I don't want to be negative Nancy here, but it's, it's got a ton of attention, and we, we better get ahead of it, that's, that's all I'm saying, and I, I've made an effort to try to talk and approach the right people about it, and it's, it's definitely on the table, within a year, we're going to have a ruling on the cameras, cell phone, and regular, it's, It's just, there are so many different angles and so many good points on both sides of the coin. And I, I, I fear, I fear probably going to end in a, in a in a way we don't, we, the majority of us don't want. I, I, and that was the majority of the beating I took all the the hypocrite comments I got. It's like, I, I never said we don't use cameras. I never said they're not a valuable tool. All I said is we need to rein it in a little bit fellas. It's it's getting pretty ugly and it's getting pretty sloppy. Well, shouldn't
0: we as sportsmen, shouldn't we kind of police ourselves? Uh, and and it, it is is that not part of what our duty is 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 you know, okay, let's and I think that's what you were trying to point out originally was like, okay, we might have overcooked this a little bit. Let's let's, you know, get some sportsmen's group together and let's work this out. Let's work it out. Not have, you know, legislation work it out for us. That's kind of what you were that's, saying, that, right?
1: That's the point I was trying to make. But instantly, Jay, the guy's knee jerk reaction is, "Oh, it's just an outfitter being jealous of another outfitter." Well, I don't, I don't, I don't make my living as an outfitter. I don't need this. I, I do it to help supplement the cost of all the the dogs and livestock to, to be a lion hunter. And but if I didn't. I'd still be lion hunting. So to me, I I don't have anything to gain by it, by outlawing them or pushing for them. I can only look at it, Jay, from a sportsman standpoint, a standpoint of what, what are we accomplishing in here? And when is enough enough? And as as cliche as it sounds, it's, I think we're there. I think we found it. And the only way it's going to happen and is, is through legislation. And as stupid as that, everyone and i I, I, don't, I don't want the government in my life any more than the next guy but the trouble comes with these new technologies that they're going to keep coming and that's what in my opinion the wildlife regulations and the and the you know fair chase and the um the legal methods that take they all they all need attention and guys that you know cry cry wolf on that or not cry wolf but guys that cry out when you mention that oh just what we need more game laws and well as long as hunters keep doing stupid things and trying to cut corners yeah we're going to get more game laws and i and I, i'd like to think it was that that simple jay That policing your own i i, I say the check yeah man i think i think one of the best tools we got is humility and if guys are willing to kind of call guys out on their behaviors and their actions and not take not take it the wrong way i think i think we could kind of start forming a what's acceptable and not but i but isn't
0: isn't the main problem some of the areas like the strip some of the areas like some of the popular elk units like unit nine isn't the real it's not a problem of a cooster hunter that's hiked in three miles to some you know spring in unit 32 where there's nobody else around and he's getting photos and he's not bothering anyone i i from my perspective i see where the problem exists is where you've got you know like that picture you had on your instagram which by the way the listeners it's rimrock outfitters on instagram um and there's you know 12 15 cameras i have been to the strip and seen sure Seven, eight, nine, ten, fifteen cameras on you know one place. I've been in unit nine and seen the same thing, and that's where I think the problem is because what happens is the the people during the hunt are constantly going to that water to check it. Well, if somebody's sitting there and someone drives up or someone walks up and they go, oh, I'm just checking my camera. Well, that guy has built a blind, and then you have you know. The whole other issue of you know, oh, there's three good bucks coming in here, so there's six blinds on the waterhole, <laughs> and then they fight over it.
1: Oh my gosh! It's, and it's, it's a train. Wreck.
0: It's it's a train wreck. You bet. So so, so know, what is that? I think
1: so I when you when you when you say that and you're explaining that to a, a logical sportsman, there all of our first instinct should be, it's it's public land, guys. It's first come first serve. It's we we should you know, we all took hunter safety. We all, I'd like to think we're, we're raised out there to do the right thing and to yield to our fellow sportsmen if he's ahead of us. But holy cow, have we gone the opposite way from that? Holy cow. Has it become a, a competition and we're going to kill it before them. And you, it's, it's been, and here's, a, here's another beating I'm, I'm going to take and I'm, I'm ready for it. Cause, cause the more, like I said, the more guys I talk to that, are living in the, making their living in the woods and doing it. They're tired of it, whether or not they all want to speak up or, or not. But the social media, Jay, in the hunting community is a freaking runaway train. And anyone that can't see that needs to, needs to pull their head out. You remember in the late 90s when Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa were, you know, trading off home runs, chasing 70 or whatever, and these guys were yeah. coming to the plate looking like the Incredible Hulk just hitting these gargantuous home runs and everyone was so caught up in the race and so caught up in the competition. No one thought, man, those guys don't look like normal baseball players. Like no, no, (laughs) it took a few years for us to catch on to that. Jay, that's exactly what's going on with social media and hunting. Everyone is so caught up in their, their own brand and their own image and sponsors. And how many freaking watermarks can we put on a picture with outfitters names and you and I are both outfitters. That's the other thing I hate when I hate when that gets thrown back in our face. Like, well, that's no different than you guys. Well, yeah. There's, a, there's a difference. There is the way you operate and the way you go about things. And I am, I I will take that to the end that there is a right and a wrong and social media I think is fueling the fire of more negative than it is positive. Sure. It it helps guys connect and it does do, there's plenty of examples of it doing good organizing, you know, trash cleanups along the border, organizing plenty of wildlife projects. I'm not saying get off it or outlaw it or of course not. I'm just saying we need to, we need to be careful with letting, letting the social media get so, so far the priority that we're just exploiting the wildlife and we're exploiting hunting, you know, at our, at our self-interest and our, our, our you know, self-promotion motivations.
0: Okay. So let me ask you a question. Is your main problem with social media? Are, are you saying that, that, let me think about this. Are you saying that you, you, you you feel like there's a ton of people out there that are portraying something that they're actually not meaning that they are <laughs> trying to be the man, but they're not actually the man, but they're, I, 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 but it's a smoke screen.
1: Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's like the definition of social media. I think if you look it up, <laughs> it's, it's an alternate reality. And I, it's an alternate reality and
0: so it's the dating online deal where you 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 know you're looking at a picture of this hot chick and then all of a sudden you meet her and realize she's not what, <laughs> she's not not what she looks like yeah. in the picture are you is that what's bothering you I think I
1: think that's what's bothering me Jay I think that's it <laughs> I think that's what's bothering <laughs> a lot of us I'm not saying there aren't guys getting it done and posting on social media I'm not I mean I I I don't want to say names because. That's pointless. There's there's no, plenty no, of, there's sure. plenty of examples on both sides of the coin. There's good out. Are you
0: saying that it's become distasteful? Or are you saying, from your perspective, that that there are you're witnessing people on social media that are, are doing things professionally and 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 you know for the betterment of hunting, and then you would say that there's a whole another group out there that is doing stuff that doesn't have taste. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, and
1: and, and I'm not. I got to be careful with this one, but I'm I'm just, like I said, it's my opinion. It's what I've observed. It's what plenty of other good, respectable hunters I know on all species are, are seeing. And it's, a the, the motivation to get the likes and the followers and the, just the superficial, you know, gratification. I think it's starting to change how we operate. Jay. I think it's a, I can be anyone I want. This is who I am on social media. And then they go out in the woods and, and they don't, you know, portray the the same thing. There was a, and, and and we gotta be careful because kids nowadays, Jay, who are getting raised in, in this, this hunting world, that's none of us grew up with this instant, instant access to information on unlimited subjects. So kids growing up hunting, I, I pray that their parents are giving them enough direction, but if they don't get it from there, they're gonna they're gonna go straight to social media. That's how they're being raised. It's their study after study being done how it's how it's kind of molding generations. And and if we don't, you
0: talk about like a false reality, like that, that they think that that's real, but then yeah, then they get let down themselves because they realize it's not real.
1: Yeah, and so then they go out there thinking, oh, man, that guy that guy's just like me," and he posted, he sees, you know. Three hundred and ten inch bucks every time he goes out. I'm only seeing seventy and eighty inch bucks. Huh? I'm going to go back to video games, you know. I and I'm not trying to trying to push it on one one area or the other. I'm I'm just saying it's a it's a slippery slope, and we got to watch our motivations on why we're doing what. And and I'm obviously don't have it figured out. Obviously, don't know the best way to operate. I just am going off of the feel I'm getting and the general impulse coming from hunters that I run into and hunters I respect that have been at this a long time and where, where we're going with it. Um, it's there's, there's, like I said, and there's always two sides to it. There's good and bad, but I'm afraid yeah. with the hunting, we're kind of leaning toward the bad and we need to, we need to watch who, who and what we're influencing.
0: Well, I, I- I don't think you could have said it any better. I mean, I think we as sportsmen, we need to watch what we're portraying to the rest of the world. And we need to, you know, make sure that we are not overcooking some of this stuff. And we need to make sure that we're not. And, and you know, I'm speaking for myself, too. Like, I need to make sure that, you know, am I Barry Bonds or am I Sammy Sosa? Because if I am and, and you call me out on that and you may be dead right but I may lash out at you because the truth hurts.
1: Oh, absolutely. So it, it
0: stings it's bad. one of those things that, you know, it, it stings. And, you know, but I I think, I think that's a very interesting perception. I, I would argue that there's probably a lot of people that have your same opinion, but they're basically afraid to maybe state their opinion in, in fear that, you know, they're going to get tromped on.
1: Well, and, and, and like I said, I, I'm I'm all right with the constructive criticism, and let's let's talk about it. Let's let's discuss it. But they, they say it's 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 hard to win an argument with a smart person, but it's even harder to win one with a dumb person. <laughs> so I, and, and a, they, we shouldn't turn yeah. it into hunters against hunters. That's the old you know we need to stick together thing. But but we need to we need to all be all be very very conscious of where where this can go and in my opinion, where it, where it already has begun to snowball. And like I said, it's just, it's just feel from um, you, you see it, Jay. I see it. I think most average guys see it. I, I know a lot of yeah. young, young new hunters. I know a lot of old new hunters that what do they do? You get interested in something, you pick up your phone, you go to Google, or you get on talk forums and you get on Instagram and Facebook and you start typing in hashtags of what interests you. Well, that, just cause you're seeing it there doesn't mean that that's what's happening. And I, there's, there's a whole, whole hidden world out there. I think behind what, what people are, are trying to portray on social media as far, as far as hunting, I'm not going to touch the rest of it as far as what society's dealing sure. with now, but I just think it's a, sure. it's a slippery slope. And if, if we don't, if we don't kind of take a stand and kind of start calling each other out, I'm not saying get on everyone's page and, you know, tell them they're alive yeah, be they,
0: destructive, yeah
1: sure like come on we can we can be adults about send it send a direct
0: be... message, send it personally, you know yeah. talk to someone in person, pick up the phone and call them or send them a you know don't send them a pub... don't rip someone publicly send a direct message and have yeah. a conversation and and, and
1: and you might and you might get you, know, you might get an education too i you know i've had i've had my mind made up on guys before and, and actually meet them or talk to them and it totally change my mind and i've had it made up before and get to know him, And I was right on. So I, I'm as guilty of it as anyone. I, I try to, I try to give everyone, everyone their chance, but I, there was a post Jay, you might've it a couple days ago. I don't remember who it was. They just were tagging at long range shooting. And it was my buddy. I got into big game hunting, drew his first December tag this year. First time rifle hunting. Here's his group and he's shooting an eight inch group at 1500 yards. Never shot a rifle before. <laughs> like is that is that okay like i guess you talk to the, yeah. the rifle guys that's way okay he's a he's putting his time in he's yeah. doing this you talk to me who used to run around with a longbow and that's weak <laughs> that's weak that yeah. that guy in his mind he's just got to get to a thousand yards and he's going to fill his tag i but that's my opinion there's there's the whole thing it's you know how many trail cameras is how many trail cameras is too many you know, guys throw it back in my face. Well, you're out there using dogs. How many how many hounds does it take? You know, I...
0: Yeah, they're going to outlaw dogs. That's yep. what they... A lot of... a lot, You know, the, it's an instant knee-jerk reaction to, sure. oh, he's a houndsman. Let's attack, you know, let's sure. attack him or his way of life or his dogs. And I don't think your intention was attack. I think you were trying to bring to light and you were the only one out there that i've seen that kind of had the guts to just kind of state a little bit differing opinion and say guys aren't you know haven't we overcooked this a little bit like let's let's rein this in just a little bit and and you know kind of police ourselves and you know you bet there's dang sure people out there that need you know that that have priorities probably mixed up and i think we all need to be self-aware and, you know, look at what we're doing and how we're portraying what we're doing. And I think all of us on one, you know, one way or another could be more professional, could be, you know, more of a sportsman and, and could do things differently. Um, so I, I'm glad you brought it up and um, I'm glad we talked about it here. And I, I would bet that there's way more, you know, there's a silent majority out there. Um, and, I, and I'm sure you got a lot of support you know you you got you got bagged on a little bit but you probably also got probably more support behind the scenes than you know people not wanting to be public about it but probably sent you messages saying hey i agree with you 100 percent." yeah and i honestly that's i didn't i didn't know what to expect i was just it's
1: it's our instagram page i'm gonna i'm gonna say what our opinion is and i got i got no issues with someone disagreeing with me that's what you know there's, there's always more than one way to one one way to operate but some of the support I got from some pretty big name outfitters across the Southwest kind of blew me away and enough to where I'm like, all right, this needs to be talked about. This isn't a, this isn't a, just a post of, you know, just trying to get, get a rise out of some individual enemy. This is a, this is an issue that is very, very prevalent and widespread. And I don't, I don't, I mean, we're going to, the trail cameras is on the, on the table right now but you know it's going to be it's going to be long range rifles soon and smart rifles it's it's drones it's it's just it's just an onslaught year after year and and we just got to deal with it and we got to take, take them as they come and and make the best decisions we can or we are going to all suffer cuz it's going to turn into such a such a circus out there that it's going to get attention from the public who is that
0: we
1: don't want uh, most part an uneducated public of what hunters are about. And as soon as it's there, it's too late. So I'm very thankful, very thankful to live in Arizona where, where our game and fish does, does take, you know, public comment on all these issues from our hunt regulations to our hunt recommendations to, you know, to these very issues. And, and guys, if you have an opinion strongly one way or the other, Gather gather your thoughts and go and show up at these things and 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 come there to be constructive and come there with an open mind that may, maybe we all need to give a little I, I I'm with you, jay i you and Dar hiking ten miles in the rough desert country and hanging a trail camera I, That is not the same as nine cameras on P posts that the only drinker for fifteen miles on the strip. It's not the same game. They're both involved trail cameras. It's not the same game. I don't, I don't see how guys make that correlation of, well, you use them too. Well, you know what? I use a gun too, but I don't use it to shoot people. I, you know, it's like we all make decisions on how we, how we handle ourselves. And behave. yeah. Jay, there's, there's a group of whitetail hunters down here south of me. And, I mean, I'll say their names because they need it. There's a, there's a guy named Mike Short. There's a guy named Shane Hall. I don't, they're not even on social media. Lee Comandoran just killed a giant deer last year. You want to talk to a whitetail hunter, you have to talk to that guy. And he does it hard and he does it old school. And I'm not saying he doesn't use cameras, but I'm, I'm saying he's, he's hunting cause he enjoys the chase and enjoys the, the hunt and, and figuring those big deer out. And, and I'm not saying those guys should suffer for the guys running 150 cameras on every water hole in the unit. Like, come on, we got to, we got to use our heads here and and, and draw a line of what's, what's allowed and what's not. I mean, those guys, those guys, Jay would, would blow your minds the the deer they've killed and the deer they locate every year and how hard they hunt. And I know him personally, I'm not just saying it through, through hearsay and, and there's a whole, and those are just guys I know. I'm sure there's a whole group of guys, you know, like that, that, that are hunters and they're watching all this from the, from the from the grandstands and and I don't want to see those guys suffer just cuz just cuz some, you know, kind of loudmouth social media look at me look at me look at me is gaining the attention for the same sport these guys love. I that's that's not right either.
0: Yeah, I hear you 100%. Um loud and clear. I think uh, you've made some great points and um You know, I think it's something we need to, we need to figure out within our group before it gets, you know, outside of our group. And then we don't have any, you know, it's, it's, it's a runaway train then, uh, for sure. Uh, well, buddy, it's been awesome having you on. You are a dirty dog, though, for getting a unit one oh, tag. Gosh. Have they have they been getting quite a bit of rain? Um, I haven't heard many reports from one, but I'm I would assume it's probably looking pretty good up there.
1: Yeah, I've had a, a few buddies up there, just for different summer vacations. They say it's looking looking pretty good, but I know I'm I'm still shaking my head how how that happened. I I still get on I still get on my game and fish portal once a week and make sure I'm reading it right because I don't.
0: <laughs> but, so with the with the number of tags i believe they had 300 permits maybe 350 um i think they reined it back just a little bit did you have quite a bit of people problems up there in unit one or were you able to you know get get away from some people yeah it was it was a very
1: very pleasant experience all, all the way around it was i i grew up hunting those western units that you guys like to pound and those are those are dirty tough elk hunts they're they're hot and dry and you got to find the elk unit one is it's a it, it'll ruin you well i'm not ever putting in for another unit it was it was awesome plenty plenty of elk yeah you see hunters but everyone i ran into was awesome and happy to be there and and toward the middle of the hunt it, it quieted down and 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 that's what i feel like i was went on a negative rant this whole time but jay there's a lot of good hunters out there still and, and good honest people and Jake Lindsay and I were sitting on the edge of a meadow one evening set up in the open three o'clock in the afternoon, way early and an hour before dark here two guys come and set up their cow decoy out in the middle and start calling. And we just walked over to him and discussed it with him and they, they nodded and picked their heads up and moved on. It was kind of how I thought yeah. it should work. And, 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 you know, there's, there's, there's still a lot of good out there and, I I have faith that we can, we can keep this, this train on the tracks. And um, like I said, I gotta, I gotta keep that in perspective that, that we all, we all deserve it. And we all have the right to the, to the woods and public land. And and we need to, we need to appreciate each other's rights for that.
0: Yeah. Well said, well said. Well, buddy, it's been awesome having you on, uh, picking your brain and look forward to having you on again. And uh, I'll be uh anxious to see another dark antlered bull. I the thing I remember about the bull you shot last year, I don't really remember his configuration as far as what he was, but I just remember him being real dark antlered. It seemed like he had white tips and seemed like he kinda belled in. He was he kinda went out and it just those typical dark antlered, you know, unit one bulls and um uh that's one thing that I really like about that part of the state. It seems like those antlers are dark, dark antlered bulls and um so hopefully you get another one of those and hopefully you don't run across a lion or something that's going to occupy and, and uh, <laughs> you'll you'll switch from an elk hunt to a lion hunt real fast. You'll be, you'll be, uh, I know how you guys are. You've got a one track mind.
1: Oh, I could think of nothing better than finding a fresh kill up there on that elk hunt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wasting a, wasting a good elk day chasing a lion. Oh, I that'd, be, that'd great.
1: be great. I, I appreciate it, Jay. That's... You can take it easy on those trout up there.
0: Okay, buddy, sounds good, and I want to encourage the listeners, uh, check out Rimrock Outfitters. uh, If they are looking for a a great lion hunt, Uh, Andy and his partner, uh, they do phenomenal, Uh, Randy Epperson, they do a phenomenal job with lions, and they're great guys, and um, just appreciate your time, appreciate your insight, okay, buddy? You bet, have a good one. All right, buddy, take care.